Welcome to the seventh episode of the So Weird Podcast. I'm Zach. I'm Kathy. I'm Emily. And I'm Kat. And today we are discussing season one, episode seven, Angel. Mm-hmm. Not the not the David Boreanaz Angel, different Angel. No, but that's good too. <laughs> yeah, and I think this is the first really good episode of the show. I mean, there were good episodes before this one, but this is the first time when it becomes apparent that So Weird isn't exactly like uh, the other kids' shows that were on the air at the time, perhaps. Yeah, it's also the first episode where at least I get a strong emotional experience while watching it compared oh, yeah, to the other previous six. I think it's also the first episode where it kind of goes into a darker subject matter with questioning whether the angel really has good intentions or if he's there for a more sinister purpose. Well, it's pretty heavily implied that he's the angel of death. And then we see in the beginning, in the Fia's monologue, she's talking about angels and, you know, how we perceive them to be good and about light and everything. But then she talks about a dark angel. So it starts off the episode with angels not being, you know, everything we think they are. Yeah, and there's that great shot of the uh, rotating stationary angel statue and then they put the red light on and the music gets all spooky. (laughs) Yeah, that seriously creeped me out when I was younger, just the shot of the angel. I think it's because angel statues are so common in this part of my state. Everyone has one out in their front yard. And to take something that's so common and uh, almost mundane and make it sinister or uh, foreboding was really creepy (laughs) to me as a kid. Yeah, uh, do you know the uh, the angel urban legend, Emily, about the angel statue in the front yard? It, it, does it have blood coming out of its eyes, something like that? No, that's the one where the babysitter goes to babysits the kids, and the parents call, and she mentions this creepy angel statue in the front yard, and the parents go, we don't have an angel statue in the front yard. <laughs> uh, no, I haven't heard that one. Oh, uh, well, like okay. like the weeping angels? No, it's... Uh, there's another version of that legend, but instead of an angel statue, it's a clown. Uh, <laughs> the clown will be much scarier. <laughs> yeah, anyway, that, that's uh, that's off topic. Uh, yeah, well, this one was an episode I definitely remember when I first saw the show on Disney. I remember that shot in the opening with the red light on the angel. And I remember later in the episode where Fiona's hands turns into a skeleton hand. Those are two images that really stuck with me from this one. Yeah, same those two, and then when Fee walks into the light, that's always an image of So Weird, yeah, especially because it's in the intro. Mm-hmm, exactly what I was going to say. That's like the my, most iconic shot from the show for me. Like when I think of So Weird in my head, that's the first thing that pops into my head. I think mine is the shot where she and the angel just walk into the light together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, that one. I guess we should talk about the premise for this episode. The Phillips bus is heading into Ohio this time, when on the road there's an accident. Uh, They see a man standing in the middle of the road, and Ned swerves to miss it and drives through a uh, fence. And they befriend the family living there in that house, and we discover that the daughter, Gabe, who Jack has a rapport with, is having visions of an angel, which Fee seems to think is somewhat sinister. And eventually, throughout the course of the episode, we discover that Gabe has leukemia, and we're not entirely certain of what this angel, angelic being's intentions are, at first, anyway. So this is the one of the first, if, unless you're counting Claire, where we have a true romantic interest. And Gabe does become a recurring character with Jack. Yeah, that's the big difference. I, yes, I approve. Yeah, that was a big Gabe. difference between Gabe and Claire. We never, we never heard from Claire again, but Gabe would be referenced a few times throughout the series. And is this also the first episode where we meet um, a parent and their child, but it's a single parent? Where hmm. I mean, in, in some episodes, they do describe what happened to the other spouse, like in this episode, we know. But in others, they don't. But re-watching it, um, a lot of times I've realized there's a lot of episodes where they meet these families, but there's only one parent. And, it, you know, relating, relating to Molly... Yeah, and Molly has that great conversation with Gabe's father out by the truck about how hard it is being a single parent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that whole moment is very emotional where he talks about the father says he doesn't think it's fair that he has to lose both of them, both the mother and the daughter. 
which um, and then there's something I picked up on this reviewing is after that comment there's a cut to a wide shot of Molly and the father by that tractor and it's the camera lingers on that shot for a few seconds which is an interesting moment I just thought that was a good good bit of visual storytelling there mm-hmm. yeah I really like that moment and it it's not like uh, it, it felt like it almost came from another show you know what I mean like it was just so beautifully done well <laughs> I really like the visual presentation of this episode, and I may be giving the director too much credit here. This episode was directed by Paul Lynch, who is a Canadian filmmaker who I know. He, in the 80s, directed a couple of 80s Canadian-made slasher movies, uh, most famously the original Prom Night, but he also made a movie I'm a big fan of called Humongous, and he's all, but he's mostly done TV, which is probably how he wound up on So Weird. Did yeah, he I don't need chance also... Okay, direct wait, wait. the episode of So Weird where Jack has this line about humongous pizza. I have no idea, but he did do a couple <laughs> other episodes. That was the first thing I thought of. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, yeah. but he did direct... Uh, I think he also directed Drive and one or two others. He directed a yeah. few. Well, he directed... Um, at least on Wikipedia, I went on there, and he directed episodes for the rest of the show, season one, two, and three. Yeah, he worked throughout all the seasons, yeah. So he could so, have been the inspiration behind Jack's humongous pizza line. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think that many people know the movie Humongous. Um, but I've always, con- especially there's a moment later in the episode, the flashback, I don't know, when Fee goes into the light and we have this visual montage, which I think is one of the best moments for the whole series. That one really sticks in my mind. And it's some great visual storytelling because we get this information about Gabe and her mother and her father, and it's all presented totally visually. There's no expositionary dialogue. And there's some wonderful shots there when the father is tearing up and Gabe with the shaved head on the bed. And it's just a really well-done sequence. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's um, one of my favorite, mm-hmm. favorite sequences. Me too. And have you guys all seen the movie Up? Yes. <laughs> the beginning of Up reminds me of that sequence in Angel so much. Okay, I can uh, see that. Yeah, that's a good comparison. Huh. Like, it's mm-hmm. such a great method of storytelling, and to see something like that on a children's show, it's just like, whoa, they go there. Mm-hmm. And the transition yeah. between scenes and that, that sequence is really smoothly done. Yeah, I love that angel type of music that they play also um, throughout that scene. The angelic choir. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if that was done for this show in particular. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I know it plays over the end credits. Mm -hmm. I would think it was. Possibly. Because it kind of gives me a vibe, like the question song that comes on in season two for Siren. Oh, Yeah. And when she's using her powers on Carrie, and it mm-hmm. kind of sounds like that, too. Well, some good uh, Clue moments in this episode. That's something I noticed this time. Lots of goofy yes. comic relief from Clue. Clue with the little ceramic cow. That has become one of my favorite <laughs> joke ships. Clow. He's just so happy with his little toy Wait, cow. wait, wait, wait. People wow. ship Clue and the little cow cream pitcher? Come on, dude. It tastes so much better straight out of the cow. They do now. (laughs) (laughs) You need to come to the live stream, Zach. Uh, I guess I do. I'm missing out on these these crack pairings. Yeah, there's a point in time where we made a a bunch of crack pairings, but they're hilarious. This one was Clow. Ned Bus is one I know. Yes. Yes. Another. Oh, it was a a Nest moment. What's Ness? What's that mean? Oh, N-U-S yes. for Ned and Bus. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I miss. Well, I must have missed that. <laughs> yeah, Ned hasn't been taking very good care of his bus over the last couple episodes. Well, it's, oh, it seems like it's almost every other episode the bus crashes or there's some sort of mechanical malfunction. Yeah. Like this show. <laughs> um, I think it's funny that Ned is so ready to attribute what he saw to just being tired and how, oh, it was probably a cow. Like, how do you confuse a man and a cow? You're never that tired. It was a traumatic experience for him. So I think he's just trying to get through it by saying it was a cow, but I don't think he really believes it was. 
Well, there's always the option that when somebody sees something amazing and beyond the traditional realm of science and logic, they can convince themselves that it was something normal they saw. Yeah, and in the beginning, he, I mean, he knows that he saw a man, and that's why he goes out and tells Irene, you know, not to let the kids go outside, and it's when the the dad, I forget his name, um, when he says it's probably a cow, so, you know... Ned will agree to that. Yeah, and that oh. shot of the bus going through the angel, I seem to remember that playing in every promo for this episode on the Disney Channel back in the day. I yes. don't know if there's any video evidence of that, but I do seem to remember that. That's a lot like the promos for Escape, where they keep using those awesome special effects to get viewers into the show. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, and I definitely remember the Disney Channel promo for Twin, where they, they just played that incessantly at the time, where they were yes. explaining the special effects behind the CGI ghost ghoul demon thing, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And also how they CGI got Fiona falling off the building. Yeah, are those any of those uh, episode promos on YouTube? I know some of them are. Yes. I know that... the one for Twin definitely is, but it's in poor quality. Mm-hmm. I've been looking for a higher quality of that one because you're right, it aired so much. Someone has to have recorded it in high quality, but I haven't been able to find it anywhere. Well, you, you know, you just hope that there's somebody out there who has VHS tapes of like every minute an hour of Disney Channel from like 1999. I know there are people who do that, who just run, that's where all these old YouTube commercial clips come from, people who just recorded everything back in the day. Yeah, well, when So Weird first got bumped to 2 a.m. in the morning, I did not want to miss it, so I would wake up in the middle of the night and set my VCR to record it, and (laughs) I woke up my parents and got yelled at a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, I was not able to tape every episode, but I do have some still on VHS. Oh, cool. I definitely remember the days. For me, it was, um, well, frequently there was, like, some movie on Turner Classic Movies or something, some obscure silent thing that I wanted, uh, that I would, so I, I too, remember the straw and drag of programming the VHS to record something at, like, 2 or 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, and inevitably, sometimes there'd be some screw-up with the sound. I remember I have a couple of tapes of, uh, like, um, anime unleashed on tech TV that are have all video and no sound for some reason. Those screw-ups <laughs> like that. Anyway, getting off topic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Going back to Angel. What do we think of the visual presentation of the Angel in this? A guy in a black sweater. I like how different it is than other you know supernatural episodes where they tie in angels and how he doesn't speak at all. Yes. Does he say anything at all? He, he no, does he just says, you're the one. Yeah, when she oh, picks yes. up the phone. Yeah, he provides really vague warnings. Um, when this episode came out, I, I, I think I said this on a previous episode, but this was the scariest episode of So Weird for me. Um, up to this point, definitely. Yeah, uh, for me it was overall, but I think part of it was because this depiction of an angel was so different from anything I'd seen before. Um and, you know, at the time, I kind of, I, I was raised Catholic, so I attended CCD, the, like, Catholic mm-hmm. Sunday school kind of thing, and we didn't really talk about dark angels, you know, like, I, we didn't even talk about Lucifer, so, really? see, wow. yeah, yeah, so to see this guy who, you know, didn't even have wings and certainly wasn't smiling, it just really creeped me out and was so unsettling. Yeah, uh, for me... Like, I was raised Catholic, too, and I got really interested in theology when I was in college, so I spent some extra classes studying that. And I don't remember seeing this episode as a kid, although I know I must have. But looking back on it, I really appreciate how the angel is kind of an unsettling, otherworldly character. And that he's not portrayed as a regular human, but as having the appearance of a human just to appear to feed to give her that message. Yeah, I think the use of casual clothing with him was very interesting. Well, it's certainly a low-budget approach. Yeah, it's effective, though. Oh, yeah, it works. And um, I do like how ominous this episode feels at times, Mm -hmm. which is, as you both said, very different from the traditional way. I mean, this was... Around the same time as Touched by an Angel. I think that show was still yes. on. So perhaps wow. we were all a little more used to kind of the saccharine, touchy-feely 
type of angel. And this is a little different from that. Yeah, I remember I used to watch Touched by an Angel with my parents around the same age as I was when I watched So Weird. So I really liked this portrayal of the angel, though, because angels used to be feared by humans. So I kind of liked that they didn't take the whole benevolent wings, grant you your wishes approach. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, there's the line in the Bible about, you know, don't be afraid because, I mean... Traditionally, you know, if you actually go into the research and stuff, you know that cherubims and things of that nature were visually terrifying. They had multiple Mm -hmm. heads and wings that would burn people to ash and all sorts of crazy stuff that all got boulderized over the years into harps and togas. (laughs) Now that I've watched more Supernatural shows, I'd say that this angel kind of reminds me of the way angels are portrayed in Supernatural. Have you all uh, seen Supernatural? That's another yes. show I have not seen. Okay. Yeah, because <laughs> I have not. I haven't seen it either. But uh-huh. I, I think I know one of the main. The main guys is uh, Angel. Mm-hmm. He is. I, he was my yeah. favorite character when I watched. Um, but yeah, so you know the angel. He's you know speaks in a monotone voice, and he's he's like emotionless. And, well, there's some angels on Supernatural that have a sense of humor, but I'd say more are kind of in the same vein as this one. I actually stopped watching Supernatural because of the way that they took on angels. They made them and demons too human, and that really bothered me from a theological standpoint. I just can't believe that show is still on the air. It's been running for 11 years. And it's going for 12. (laughs) P.W. Can't kill the cash cow. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I loved the first five seasons of that show, and I'd recommend it to So Weird fans um, because they are similar in a lot of ways. But, yeah, I loved uh, the first two seasons of Supernatural. Yeah. And then three, season three, it started to get lighter, kind of like So Weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, you know, it, just in general, this is a lot darker territory than maybe you'd expect from Disney Channel. But then again, I guess, what was the show with the EMTs? In a single, in a heartbeat or in something? In a heartbeat. I love that show. Which was also a more serious program, and that was on around the same time. So I guess Disney was really being a little bit more experimental in the late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah, I really loved this era of Disney because it got into drama, and it was real and raw and relatable. Yeah, I have a lot of of memories of late 90s Disney Channel of... uh, the Jersey and Zoo mm-hmm. Disney and this show and a lot of others that were on. What was that? Fast Forward? Well, that was another one. That was a Flash sitcom. Fast Forward. Yeah. That was another one I remember very pretty vividly. But um, yeah. So let's talk about Gabe and Jack. What do we feel about that coupling? They're so cute. Mm-hmm. It starts yeah. off with that look and that handshake at the beginning of the episode where they make eye contact and Gabe is has her fingers on her necklace, like a little nervous thing. They look yeah, into Im- each other's eyes. They're immediately smitten with one another. Yes. Yeah, I like that mutualness. I mean, if you compare it to Jack and Claire, mm-hmm. this one you just, you automatically like them. Yeah. Yeah, it I like that like moment. looks like Jack is interested in her mm-hmm. as a being, and not just a, ooh, girl, let me win or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, we may all like Jack and Gabe together, but uh, no one likes Jack and Gabe together more than Clue. His face when he sees them, <laughs> they first meet each other, it cracks me up. Yeah, yeah he, he is have... acting as a wingman in this episode, I believe would be the terminology. <laughs> yes, I was just about to say, you have that cute scene with them after Jack drinks the milk from her cow, so to speak. I feel like that can be a euphemism. <laughs> 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 All right. <laughs> Jack is a little bit worried that maybe Clue would be a threat to them, and Clue just tells him, no, man, you guys have a connection. I'm not going to interfere with that. And Clue's yeah. all for it. Clue is the ultimate jabe chipper, and it's beautiful. Yeah, he is a total mensch in this. It's awesome. Yeah, and um, Jack, yeah, he's drinking the milk, and he's like, my compliments to the cow. And then Clue's like... Chicks dig when you compliment their pets. <laughs> Clue just has a lot of funny lines. And once again, yeah. drawing attention to the fact that Clue is honestly kind of a weird character if you stop and think <laughs> about it. <laughs> I think one of my favorite moments from this episode is when Fee suspects that there's something wrong with Gabe, that Gabe's hiding a secret from Jack, and she's worried about the angel going after her. 
and she tries to tell Clue about it, and Clue's response is, no. <laughs> yeah, what what is up with that? That is a weird moment. <laughs> it's my favorite moment of this episode. <laughs> it's a little out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just going to make another comment about Jack and Gabe, and I don't know if we've moved on from that or not, no. but... Um, so, you know, when I rewatched this episode, I, I didn't really get them. And, I, you know, the fact that they had this connection, it just seemed too... Like, it, it wasn't well-developed, I suppose, obviously, because it's kind of a one-episode thing, and then, you know, they email back and forth and all that. But now that I know what Jack's backstory was, which I'm sure we'll get into next week, um, I'd say that their relationship makes a lot of sense to me. Yes. Well, it is a little underdeveloped, and I think that's just because they've only got 24 minutes to tell the story, so yeah. that's just going to get mm-hmm. sidelined. They didn't a really bit. focus on Jack or her together. We only saw usually the scenes after they had done something, like after they went to get milk from the cow and all that. Mm-hmm. It's good, uh, good fan fiction material there if anybody wants to flesh that out some. <laughs> yes, about them going to get milk from that cow. <laughs> <laughs> um, that actress, by the way, is Jane McGregor, and she's still working. She's done a lot of TV. She's done episodes of Almost Human and Supernatural and Poltergeist the Legacy. These are all Canadian-lensed shows. And she even did a voice on an episode of Mummies Alive, which is a thing I remember. And she's going to be in a new movie this year, The Ninth Life of Louis Drax. So she's still out there working. That's kind of neat. Yeah. So something else we noticed with talking about uh, background information, this is uh, an early mention of Molly and um, the father. They talk about when the, when Gabe's dad and Molly are talking about loss. But that's a big nod towards Rick, I think. And those were harder to find in season one, so that's a nice little nod there. Yeah, I like that little relationship that um, Molly and Gabe's dad have throughout the episode. Molly's always wanting to help him. I'm not sure if it's because she feels bad or if she just you know, she just, just doesn't want to sit around. You know, she just wants to help. And yeah. um, they can connect because of their loss. And we also hear Molly singing and playing a little bit of more like a river. Yeah. And... Mm-hmm. Um, the dad asks her, like, what's that song about? And she says how how hard it is to keep going sometimes. So. More Like a River is one of my favorite songs from So Weird. Mine too. It's so beautiful. And it does perfectly capture that essence of, I want to move on. Why can't I? I know I should, but I just can't. Yeah, that is a emotional song for sure. Yeah. Um, and good to see... Uh, Molly getting some more stuff to do seems like I mean I guess she had a pretty big role in simplicity but rewatching the show I just it seems like her role is much smaller than I remember at least in these the early half of season one I don't know I think Molly is one of the greatest TV moms that ever was because she's usually the one to give the kids advice and it's like sensible advice not the yeah, nagging a... do your homework eat your vegetables kind of mom yeah she's a reasonable but... authority figure yes but helping people matters. You're doing a good thing, type of mom. Yeah, and you know she, uh, she. I think she feels some responsibility for driving through this family's fence. So that's probably why she's being so nice. <laughs> and that bus, it looks like it comes like right up to their front door. So it's probably yeah. a good thing that uh, that it stopped when it did, or else this episode would have been even darker than it was. Oh yes. <laughs> this week on So Weird, the Phillips family commit involuntary manslaughter. <laughs> Uh, good, some good uh, Cara Delazia acting in this episode. Everybody agree? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think uh, Fee and Gabe's relationship in this episode is pretty interesting. Um, I actually didn't like how throughout the episode Fee was just wanting to discover what was going on. Mm-hmm. She didn't really have any, um, I guess, soft moments like Jack or Molly did. Yeah, I thought... She kept, yeah, like, she, she snooped into her room, which I thought was not yeah. right at all. She was a little too antagonistic in this episode. Like, she was trying to make 
Gabe out to be the bad guy of some sorts, where she was acting like it was Gabe's fault that she was hiding this big secret. I don't think it's so much that. It's just uh, Fiona's curiosity sometimes gets the better of her and gets in the way of social niceties, perhaps. Yeah. I certainly didn't feel anything antagonistic between her and Gabe. She's just so in- caught up in this mystery, and she just has to get to the bottom of that because that's her gig. Yeah. Know, this felt antagonistic to me. I have to be honest and say I kind of understand where she's coming from. Like, as, as a child, when I saw the wigs in Gabe's closet, I did not catch on to what that meant, honestly. I was like, what, what the heck is going on? Just a little too young to understand the significance of that at the time. Yeah, I'm serious. So I kind of get why she suspected something. You know how five minutes ago I just said that I couldn't remember watching this as a kid? Mm-hmm. The moment when you said that, Kathy, you just reminded me of watching it and seeing the wigs and not knowing what that means. I think I was thinking, like, what is she, an actor? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Well, it's a great reveal, you know, now watching it when we understand what that means. Um, yeah. That she's, but, uh... I think I, now, I, you know, now understanding that she's she has uh, cancer, I think that's why V's attitude just bugs me a little bit with her snooping, because Gabe's just trying to hide that. She's not wanting them to know, and for Fee to just go into her room and then find finding that. But, of course, you know, that gets resolved and everything's mm-hmm. fine, and then... Yeah, what do we think of that plot twist concerning the true nature of the angel? Mm-hmm. What What do you mean? Well, the reveal that he seems sinister, but he's actually there to help. He's there to connect mm-hmm. Fiona and Gabe to help save her life. It's a cool twist. Because, yeah, I totally thought it was for something bad, but he's just trying to lead Fee. Or he's, he's trying to help Gabe find her match for the bone marrow transplant. I guess I like it, but at the same time, why does he have to be so vague? You know, you're the one. Why doesn't he just say, you're the match for a bone marrow transplant? Yeah. Well, then we wouldn't have an episode, Emily. <laughs> yeah. No, but it's, you know, uh, this is something that the angels on Supernatural have as well, is that they don't always give every detail away that's, that they should, you know? So I, I don't know why angels are that way. Well, it's it, just a, a troop in fiction that cosmic entities are always vague. Yeah. <laughs> They're not humans like us, so I don't know. They don't communicate like us. <laughs> yeah. It's all about meanings and signs, symbolism and all that. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's if he had told her straight out that it's a bone marrow transplant, maybe that would like interfere with free will, that it was something for them to discover on their own. Hmm. Like for Gabe to freely tell her about it. At least that's how I'd like to interpret it, but like Zach said, it's probably just for the plot. Yeah. Yeah, well, we, you know, we want that nice twist because it starts out sinister, but then, oh, no, it's not sinister. He's actually a, a helpful angel, but, you know, writers like to build that up and that sense of misdirection, which, yeah, you know, don't get, don't get me wrong. This is a well-written episode. I think this is a pretty strong episode, all things considered. Mm-hmm. It's definitely the one of the best uh, of the first season. Mm-hmm. I, I totally agree. Yeah, it's just he—he he creeps me out even now watching it. <laughs> <laughs> I think you know uh, the scene where Fee, um, you know, gets the phone call from him, and he he says you're the one, and she turns around and he needs outside the window. That honestly was the scariest moment in the whole show for me. Yeah, well, I, that scene scared me when I was a kid as well. Yeah, well, it's even spookier because it's a dead cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I don't, I didn't get nightmares from the show. But I would say that scene made it harder for me to sleep at night. Like, I would uh, be afraid that I'd wake up and see someone standing outside my window, staring at me blankly, right. like he was. Well, that know? would be very or just crazy. like, you know, always scared to just look out the window and see something like that. Listen, man, I'm always scared to look out the window at night and see something there still. So (laughs) nothing to do with this show, just in general. (laughs) And then the scene where he's standing in the mirror, that actually now, now that I think about it, reminds me of Phantom of the Opera. Um, Have you all seen Phantom of the Opera? Yes. I've seen several versions of Phantom of the Opera, yes. Uh, Which one are we talking about? (laughs) The musical. Oh, okay. That's the only version I've seen. But, you know, when the Phantom holds out his hand in the mirror and 
she calls her him the angel of music. It's very reminiscent of that scene. And at this point, when I watched this episode, I had seen Phantom of the Opera, so maybe that just added another layer of creepiness to the character in my mind. <laughs> well, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> that scene where Fee goes into the light with the angel, I'm thinking, you know, in reality, what fact, uh, what fact, <laughs> what Jack and um, Gabe were seeing was Fee just walking, and I'm guessing just suddenly passing out which must have been, like, a scary sight. And then yeah. that, I think that happens again in uh, Banshee. How but, many times uh, does Fee <laughs> faint dead away throughout the series? I think just those two times. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Jack was seeing her like that, so it's another reason for him to be scared for Yeah, I love she's doing. how much Jack cares for Fee. He's such a good big brother. Yeah, even though he does tease her, and there is a little teasing in this episode, he does love her and care about her. And that's something the show always remembered to emphasize. Mm-hmm. And um, how do you think Molly and everyone else reacted to Fee suddenly knowing that she, that Gabe does have leukemia and that she is, in fact, a match for her transplant? Because obviously Fee knows that she gets it from the vision, but everyone else won't really believe that. That's a good question. I have no idea. I think they just didn't know what to think or how she knew. It was, to them, one of those mysteries that couldn't be explained. And once again, drawing attention to Jack's arbitrary skepticism out of another miraculous thing happened, and at the end of the episode, he's still like, yeah, well, my sister's crazy. You know, She, she thinks <laughs> she believes all these nutty things. Yeah. I like the some good Kara uh, acting at the end when she comes out in the wheelchair and says something like, "Oh, they, uh, you know, I was asleep before they put the big needle in me." I don't know. It's just some cute acting from her. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love the ending of this episode where Jack gets the angel necklace from Gabe. That's so sweet, and you see him wearing that necklace throughout the rest of the series until the end of season two, before Gabe disappears from the so weird universe. Like all, a lot all of the other <laughs> subplots, yeah. <laughs> My only problem with that ending is that I wish there was a moment between Jack and Gabe at the end there, yeah. but again, those yeah, confines like of 25 minutes. It's like, I don't know, a bittersweet ending. Couldn't have it all showing their little reunion after that. But at least he gets a necklace. Yeah. Yeah, so overall, I rank this one pretty highly. This is a, I don't know if this made my top five, but it's definitely somewhere in my top ten. This is an episode I like a lot. The direction is really moody and well done. The writing's solid, some good acting for everybody involved. And I keep referring to the fact that I wish this episode could have been like maybe an hour instead of a half an hour so we could explore some of the other plot elements. But considering everything they did manage to accomplish in that short amount of time, they did a good job. So what would you rate it? Oh, are we are we getting to that part of the show already? Is this are or we? do we want to? I don't know. Are we? <laughs> it looks like it. Does anybody else have any other thoughts on Angel before we move on to our uh, once an episode rating ritual? Uh, well, I just wanted to say that I think Fee was so brave to actually go through the bone marrow transplant. Um, you know, I hear there it's not a a procedure that a lot of people sign up for. You know, and she was a teenager. And she just went for it. And, I mean, she said she was fine, but I've heard that it can be pretty painful. Yeah, it's an incredibly painful uh, operation from what I've read. Mm-hmm. It's and, another you know, example not- how Fee is just so brave and so mm-hmm. willing to help anyone, even strangers, really. Yeah, exactly. But I don't know if what she did was legal. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, I actually looked it up because I was curious, and according to bethematch.org, a person must be at least 18 to donate because donation is a medical procedure, and the person must be able to give legal and informed consent. Well, so wouldn't the they, parent be able to sign consent? I, I think that's what it's saying is that the person can't. Hmm. Yeah. Um, well, but, those moments like that when you just got to say, it's a TV show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm totally okay with it. It's it's cool with me. <laughs> that's a, that's some good trivia there. I did not know that. <laughs> Anybody else? You have anything else you want to say, Kat? One thing that we did not mention was Ned and Irene in this episode. In that moment where Fee picks up the dead cell phone with Angel talking to her, and Irene had fallen off the front bunk, so they come in to check on her. 
I really mm-hmm. like that scene. Cute Ned Irene husband wife moment. And it's nice because Ned hadn't gotten much sleep, but obviously he was concerned enough to go check and see what was going on. Well, yeah, and emphasizing once again that these guys really are a family. Yeah. So, you got anything else you want to say about this one, Kathy? No, just beside that, I really like this episode, and I like how there wasn't really that much action in the episode, but it still flowed really well and held my attention the whole time. And then reaching that climax point of the episode, which is really great, and the rest was really great. So, yeah, I got to agree with that. Give it a eight out of ten. Yeah, that's what I gave it to. Was an eight. That sounds about right for me too. Um, I love this episode. I have it in my top ten. I'm sure of that. Uh, I, you know, it's very touching. But I like that the ending isn't a fairy tale ending. You know, Disney could have gone that route and had Gabe miraculously recover overnight. But you know, a bone marrow doesn't. Uh, a bone marrow transplant doesn't guarantee that um, Gabe will recover completely. Um, and I like that, you know, it's still hopeful, but, you know, there's no guarantee, I guess, at the end that everything's going to be okay. That's a really good point. I like that. Yeah, that's a, that is a good observation. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're welcome. And it's, it's another episode that's high up there for me because, um, like we mentioned, the more dark topics that it dealt with, such as, you know, the dark angel and... Um, and then suffering through loss between the dad and Molly connecting, and also um, cancer, something really important, not discussed a lot in children's TV shows. Yeah, there's just no way an episode like this would get aired on Disney Channel today, that's for sure. <laughs> nope. And just uh, one more thing, um, IMDb doesn't have the actor who plays the angel listed here. Does anybody know who that was? You mean he wasn't an angel? <laughs> well, I'm still not convinced that he was, but that's just my personal opinion. For some reason, I get a mime vibe from that guy. I think he's a mime. I don't know why. He just <laughs> <laughs> what, you think they like went to Paris, pulled a mime off the street? There are mimes all over the world, Kat. No, there's not. Just Paris. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. His name right. would probably be in the ending credits, but I don't know what it is. Yeah, I don't know either. Okay, I was just curious about that, because he's a, a weird-looking dude. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, dude, if you happen to listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oops, yeah, oops, sorry. <laughs> do we have any comments, Kathy? Oh, of course. We actually do. So we got a few comments on YouTube on our previous Simplicity episode. Two of them were from the same person, um, a street band fan one. Uh, thanks for commenting on a lot of our videos. So you said, thanks for these podcasts. Keep up the great work, guys. I love listening to them. They are so enjoyable and humorous, and I'm looking forward to more episodes. And then they say, so you mentioned about how people were shipping Tad and Fee, and you guys got grossed out at that. If you think that's bad, I read that some people also are and Carrie. I don't know which one is worse, as both Fee and Carrie would be underage. No way would Disney touch on that. Yeah, well, that's a weird thing to say, because isn't, like, uh, Carrie Molly, like, the biggest so weird ship? Yes, and I can explain the backstory to this. So, first of all, I love that username. Bruce Springsteen's awesome. Thank you for the comments. I'm a big fan of Bruce Springsteen's sister, Pamela. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So when I was about 14 and a young, impressionable, so weird fan, (laughs) I came across this live journal community called Conrad's Hideout. And on this community, they were the pioneers of the Molly Carey movement. Because they were re-watching the series and they noticed that there was all this subtext between Molly and Carrie. So they compiled it all onto this Molly Carrie fan site and it provided these ep- like these episode hints and <laughs> pictures about how the scene in Voodoo where Carrie catches Molly is like the defining moments and how the shift in tone where he stops calling her Mrs. P and starts calling her Molly throughout season three indicates that there was a shift in their relationship and something's going on between them. And there, there were all these little touches 
that and they stood too close to each other they held hands and listened <laughs> and after reading all that i became a molly Perry shipper how couldn't i they convinced me i love it when fans read way too much into things <laughs> yeah so the like molly oh they're Perry... standing a little closer in this episode that must be evidence of this yes. romantic relationship <laughs> but after reading through all of that i cannot unsee that subtext and for me, like, I've always seen Carrie as a young adult. I've never seen Carrie as a kid. And in real life, I would never ship a 20-something-year-old with a 40-something-year-old. But in the realm of fiction and within the context of So Weird, as a crack ship, yes, I absolutely ship it. Yeah, and um, I don't think Carrie is underage. I, no, um, he's not. hear him talk about dropping out of college. So, mm -hmm. Well, there was that... That um that scrapped episode that was going to re explore Carrie having a history alcohol. of alcohol, so that would imply that he's at least twenty one, probably. Yeah, that's what I always assumed he was about twenty one. So, but uh, I I don't know. You know, there aren't a lot of romantic relationships throughout. So weird. So I guess fans who really love that sort of thing sometimes have to dig a little deeper to find something <laughs> to scratch that itch. Yeah, maybe because after. Uh... Cat after you, like, talking about all that, and when I would watch the episodes again, I noticed it now. Mm -hmm. So, I yeah, can't like, not notice it, it now. See it. Yeah, it's definitely there. And then, John Cooksey is aware of it, too. And in John Cooksey's comments to the people behind it on Conrad's hideout, was that they never intended for there to be Molly Carey subtext, but he did say that Eric's acting came off as too mature and that a rom romance between the two characters was possible. That they didn't intend it, but it's possible. Well, <laughs> anything is possible in fandom, yes. so. <laughs> well, there we go. Okay, and then we got another comment from Geth or Jess117. They said, thank you so much for making a podcast of So Weird, a show I used to believe I was only one that remembered this show. I'm glad I know I'm not the only one now. Oh, I totally understand that. Yeah, I get the... I was thinking about this, actually, before I set it up my microphone, about how there are probably a lot of people out there who watched the show and just assume that they've forgotten about it, and they just assume that nobody else remembers it. Whenever I meet other people that know about the show, and then I tell you that I remember the show too, they always say, like, oh, I thought I was the only one that remembered that. Do they think it was, like, a dream or something? <laughs> <laughs> they think that it maybe that it wasn't popular back then, so not a lot of people watched. Eh, not true. Well, you get the impression that it wasn't as well-liked as something like Even Stevens, but it ran for the whole 65 episodes, so it must have done well. Yeah, and there's also the false rumor that it was canceled because it didn't oh. have good ratings. Hmm. But that's not the case. It was canceled because Disney had the 65-episode rule, and they always canceled their shows after 65 episodes. Yeah, so, so it must have done okay for the network, or else it wouldn't have ran for the full three seasons. Mm -hmm. But it just doesn't get talked about very much which is something this podcast was invented to uh, reprimand. So, you know, there's lots of talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I think that Disney just was in a transition phase during the time that So Weird aired. And season three shows us that, that as Disney was trying to rebrand itself and find its footing as a basic cable network instead of something that people had to pay for, they were trying to figure out who their target demographic was and what was the best way to reach out to those viewers. So when they finally settled on like that bright colors, pop vibe in the early 2000s, that's when we saw the change happen in So Weird, and that's when we saw the change in all of the lineups. Instead of having more dramatic shows like In a Heartbeat, or the famous Jet Jackson, we were getting shows like Lizzie McGuire that were more lighthearted, and that eventually transitioned to shows like The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody or Sunny with a Chance, where it's, Disney became a comedy-only network and seemed to sweep all of these pre-comedy era shows under the rug. Well, this was during that period when I believe, don't quote me on this, but I think um, when the one of the reasons Disney shipped from a pay network to a 
basic cable is uh, Nickelodeon was actually beating them in the ratings at this point, which seems impossible to imagine that anything could be bigger than than Disney. But uh, that's an interesting. So I think that's one of the reasons why there were shows like So Weird and In a Heartbeat that were more dramatic, that were a little more experimental. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but don't I, quote me on that. <laughs> I feel like back in the day, all of my friends watched Nickelodeon more yeah. than Disney. At least around the time So Weird was airing. Same. I mean, um, I think when it aired, I was about five or six. So my peers either didn't watch Disney Channel at all or just exclusively watched Nickelodeon. But everyone's watched Lizzie McGuire once that came on. Mm -hmm. I I don't know if Disney Channel became more widely available with Lizzie McGuire but that's what it seems like to me. I think Lizzie McGuire was just more popular yeah, as that a coming was of age hit. story. Um, well, you know, I don't remember anybody else. I don't remember talking to anybody else who watched the show when it was on. But then again, I only had like two or three friends in the sixth grade, so. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I can't remember any of my friends watching the show either. I don't think any of mine did. Well. Like I said, we're out there. This is obviously, you know, <laughs> I had when I was rediscovering the show, I had no idea there was an internet fandom, small though it may be. Small but powerful <laughs> <laughs> and loyal. <laughs> yes. I was kind of going to mention another show similar to So Weird called "Are You Afraid of the Dark?" Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that one aired around the same time of So Before. Weird, but it seems like a little earlier. Entering. And that one was on Nickelodeon, I think. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people remember that one, and a lot of my friends remember that one. Then they That's remember because Are so You Afraid weird. of the Dark was terrifying. <laughs> I remember. Yeah, I actually never watched that because the intro was so scary to me. I couldn't yeah, get, that I intro was intense. <laughs> but then I think Anybody I've seen them? some now, and I, I, I didn't like it. It was a little cheesy. <laughs> yeah, it was cheesy. But when I was younger, my sister had a poster that came with a book she got at a Scholastic Book Fair, and it was for Are You Afraid of the Dark? And if I annoyed her, she would threaten to make me look at the poster. So (laughs) I'd run away out of her room. Oh, well, (laughs) you know, um, my sister, if I annoyed her, would chase me around the house with her paperback copy of Stephen King's Pet Cemetery because the the evil cat on the cover of that book scared the crap out of me as a kid. Um, does anybody remember Erie, Indiana? That was another supernatural-themed kids show that was on around the same time. I uh, didn't watch that one, but I saw it online and was really intrigued, and I would like to watch that because it looks interesting. Yeah, that aired on uh, kid, on Fox Kids on Saturday mornings. Yeah, and they actually aired reruns of it on Disney Channel back in, like, 96. But hmm. um, I had never seen it, but whenever I found, you know, articles online of scary kids shows that mentions so weird, they usually mentioned Irina too. So I actually ro- watched it a, about a month ago. I, I watched the whole thing, or at least the first season. Yeah, the, starring the, starring Omri Katz of Hocus Pocus fame. Uh, I've never even seen a Hocus Pocus, so... What? what? I, <laughs> I, yeah, you know, I'm Halloween's of, coming, Emily. Get on this. How did you miss po- Hocus Pocus? I <laughs> I really don't know, but you know what? I'm kind of turned off from it because Disney keeps showing it during Halloween. And, and yet you I'm still like, never watched it? <laughs> yeah, because I'm like, why don't you show so weird? What's your deal? <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe I'll watch it this year, guys. You have I mean, to watch you it. know, Hocus Pocus is one of those things, if you didn't see it when you were a kid, you might not like it because nostalgia plays a very yeah. big role in that movie. <laughs> Yeah, I remember thinking that the commercials for it always looked a little cheesy, but I'll give it a try this year. But anyway, I watched Erie, Indiana, and um, I guess I I liked it, but I didn't really uh, like it as much as So Weird. There were some good episodes, but uh, the characters I didn't care about very much. Yeah, I think it was by design. Because uh, like the, the characters felt very bland, and the town was town was supposed to feel like a really normal town with eerie undertones to it. Um, so, but that didn't really connect with me very well. 
Yeah, I haven't watched in years, but I do remember a couple of episodes. I know there. I remember the uh, backmasking heavy metal episode and the um, kids being kept in the Tupperware things like that, things of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that. And I think it was definitely a lot weirder than so weird. Um, I just have to be honest about that. Uh, it was Twin Peaks for kids. <laughs> While we're throwing out titles of shows for kids that were similar to So Weird, let me throw out Strange Days at Blake Holsey High. What it, in the hell is that? Oh my gosh, you have to look it up. Strange it Days at what? Blake Holsey High. <laughs> and days. some countries it aired at Black Hole High. So it has two names. Uh, what what network was this on? It was on Discovery Kids. And for those of you who grew up on Disney and saw Life with Derek, the actor from that, two actors actually, the actor who played Derek, Michael Cedar, and the actress who played em- Emily, Shadia Simmons, both starred in Strange Days at Blake Holsey High. It's a show about a group of kids at a boarding school where weird things happen. And there's a black hole in the science teacher's office. And weird stuff happens in every episode. And at the end of the episode, the weird phenomenon is explained away with science. Oh. And it's really cool oh. and interesting. And it's for, like, the jacks of the world who like to find <laughs> rational explanations for weird things. Oh, well, I'll have to look this up for sure. I've never yeah, heard so. of this. Which is weird. Really I watched I watched uh, Discovery Kids. I was a big fan of the uh, bonehead detectives of the paleo world. So... <laughs> I love it. It's a series that makes you really care about the characters. And Henry Winkler was also an executive producer of it, just like he was with So Weird. So there are some similarities. And like So Weird, it was pulled before its time. But the creator's solution to that was that for their final episode, he made it too dark for a kid's show. Oh, great. So that the network was <laughs> obligated to do a final like TV movie for it so that it could get a proper conclusion, which is better <laughs> than what So Weird got. So it's yeah, very wow. satisfying to watch. That would have been nice if So Weird had gotten one of those. Yeah. I'll definitely have to look that up. That is some Dude, interesting so things. Good. That stuff, is this on YouTube or something? It was when I saw it, but then okay. the episode started getting taken down, so I'm not sure if all of them are up. Okay. I'll make a thread for it on the So Weird forum to see if I can find the episodes okay. and if I do, I'll post them there. All right. Is that everything we got to say today? We've ran a little long. <laughs> yeah. Any other comments? Any other comments or feedback on Twitter or the forum, uh, YouTube, etc.? No, those were all the comments. All right. Well, thank, thank, thank you. Yeah. Thanks very <laughs> much to everybody who comments and everybody who listens. Keep doing that. Yeah. And if we have nothing else to say, I'm Zach. I'm Kathy. I'm Emily. I'm still Kat. And we'll see you guys next time. Keep the faith. Yeah, because that's so weird. <laughs>